Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning. I tell you what, it is great to see the sun shining up here in Fort Collins. I haven't seen the sun for a long time. It's either been blocked out by smoke and then we have this weather front that came through with the snow and I know some of you got some sunshine yesterday. We got very little up here. It didn't warm up too much, but it looks like it's going to be a beautiful weekend and we're into a drying trend which is going to be great for getting outdoors, but it's going to rekindle the fire danger. So don't get lulled into thinking that everything's okay with the fires. A lot of the ones further west have been contained more and that's a good thing. The Cameron Peak Fire is still very little containment on it. And when this weather dries out, it could take off again. So be very vigilant. And when you're out, when a lot of people, we're going to get a lot of nice weather. People are going to be camping, fishing, hunting seasons are getting in full swing. Please be extremely careful because it's going to affect everybody. Now, as far as the fires and the weather, we're going to talk quite a bit today about how those things are going to affect us going forward, especially this cold weather. You know, in the spring, the cold weather kind of uh, puts a damper on things. Activity slows down. But getting into the fall, it can be just, just the opposite of that, and it can trigger some of the animal movement and some of the best fishing we have all year. So we're going to talk a lot about that today. In fact, let's go to the phones right now. And joining us, it's Brad Peterson from Brad Peterson Outdoors. You, you hear him on the show frequently. He's a guide, an excellent angler, a tournament fisherman. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Terry. You know, you and I talked yesterday. We kind of talked about what this would do. You were headed out to the lake. We haven't talked since you've been there except for a quick text. And we knew that the snow falling in the water, the continuous cold with no break and not a lot of sun shining could really drop those water temperatures. What did you find yesterday? You know, Terry, I was shocked at how much it dropped the water temperature. Uh, I was out on point yesterday, had been out there a week before, and a week before it was 74 degrees. And yesterday, the warmest water temperature I found, um, and I was out until almost 4 o'clock, was 64 degrees. So it dropped the water temperature almost, uh, you know, it it dropped it 10 degrees. And and that, um, when you start getting into that low 60s, that's really when the, the fall patterns start kicking in. So it should make for some fantastic fishing, and I'm, I'm sure that this happened along all the lakes throughout the state. You know, the mountain lakes got got snow on top of them, and, you know, we got cold temperatures all up and down the Front Range and Eastern Plains. Now, typically fishermen hear the word cold front, and it sends a shudder through them because they think it's going to just turn things off. And one this severe, even in the fall, probably slowed things down for a couple days. But overall, the effects of this... um, Fish get uh, animals in general in fall get into a phase called hyperphagia. They understand the seasons are changing and they feed heavily. Uh, in in warm water lakes, the bait fish get stressed, and those stressed stressed bait fish become an easy target for predators like walleyes and bass and trout. In the higher mountain lakes, the browns, or even in the lower elevations, this kind of tells the browns and the brookies it's time to spawn. The rainbows get active. They're a cool water fish anyway. 
it, what are you? What did you find at Boyd yesterday, and what are you looking for there in the future? Well, at Boyd, it's. I don't think the cold weather affected it as much as, you know, you you're talking about the fires in the opening, and one of the side effects of the fire is Boyd is a water supply for Greeley. And one of their other supplies is up off the Laramie River, which has been shut down because of the Cameron Peaks fire. So Boyd is dropping a lot quicker than it normally does. And uh, the the depth of water has made a lot of the structure, uh, what normally would be deep structure, it's now kind of mid-depth structure. And the fish seem to be holding out beyond that depth range. So I would say at, at Boyd, it looked like the lake in I didn't come prepared to do it, but the lake is really primed to be trolling. And the next time I head out there, that's going to be my main focus. The the fish were out in that 24 to 30 foot range stacked, and, and that's where the bait fish were as well. So if you're wanting to target the, the white bass and the walleye, I would be out in that deeper range and then talking to a few people that are bass fishing. With the lake dropping, it's pulling a lot of those bass out of the shallows. So the fish are hanging towards the shoreline, but they're constantly moving. So I would recommend using a presentation that covers water, something like a, a buzz bait or, you know, a, a bio bait swim bait this time of year through the rest of the fall is a fantastic way to catch those bass and just kind of cover water. And then once you find the fish, spend a little time picking that, that area apart because a lot of times there's rocks or maybe a little residual weeds in there that's causing that fish to stay there. So you, most time you get a few more bites in that same area if you spend a little time. What about trout? Did you run into any trout? You know, as this water cools, people forget about trout with the hot summer we've had on our front, front range lakes because the water got so warm, those fish went deep for cool water unless it was a thermocline and they couldn't but now they're going to be active and they're going to chase a lot of the same bait that the bass and walleyes are chasing uh and and you can catch them trolling and casting i think that this drop in water temperature up and down the front range should trigger a pretty good trout bite did you see any of that activity at boyd i did i was starting to see some surface activity from trout and um you know, the nice thing about the trout that are still in Boyd currently is these are holdover fish. These are fish that were stocked in the spring. So these fish are, you know, they're 14 to 16, maybe 18-inch fish. They're they're nice-sized trout. Now, as the water temperature drops, the state's going to get back into stocking their catchables again. So you'll start seeing some bigger numbers of those 10-inch fish. But if you want to go target a little bit better sized trout along the front range now's the time to do it and um, i would say you know getting out early um, you could catch them there were fish up close to shore so a fly rod or a spinner presentation that stays up in the shallow uh, part of the water column or if you're out on a boat and even if you're trolling deep i would throw out one planer board or one flat line with a you know, maybe an original uh, Rapala minnow or something that's going to stay up high in about that number seven range, size seven. And it's only going to dive maybe three, four feet down. And you're going to pick up a lot of trout doing that. Yeah, I think we're going to see that bite go almost till ice up and then it'll continue ice fishing. And 
And uh, I'm looking forward to a pretty good ice fishing season, although it's going to be affected by the water levels. Last year, we ended the year with water levels significantly higher than this year on the lower elevation lakes. Um, The higher elevation lakes ended up in are going to end up in better shape than the lower elevation lakes. But the farmers have drawn a lot of water. The fires, as you mentioned, have affected the water supply. So both from the Front Range east all through Colorado, there's a lot of there's a lot of drying up lakes. In fact, how was the water level at Boyd, and is, is boat launching still okay? Boat launching at Boyd is, is not a problem. It's about two feet lower than it was last winter. Um, so it's still there's still plenty of depth in the lake. You know, watch out on that, that marina point there. Um, but Boyd, I don't think, is going to have a problem with water level. And some good news on the Eastern Plains lakes, at least on the the I-76 corridor is the rain and snow that we had brought the river back up. And so they now are putting water in all the major reservoirs out there. Jackson's getting water, Pruitt's getting water, Sterling and Jumbo are all getting water. And hopefully that little flush of water, you know, that maybe it'll last another four or five days, but that'll be just enough water to where, you know, some of those lakes, they were concerned about having a complete fish kill. Maybe we won't lose them. So let's keep our fingers crossed that the uh, the demand from the farmers has gone down and that little storm that we had will help us save some of the fish in, in those great fisheries out there. Well, and the colder water temperatures hold more oxygen, too, and the algae will start to go away with the colder temperatures. So there's lots lots to be optimistic about. I want to quickly change subjects, but before I do, any other bites you've heard of going strong? We're going to cover some things during the show, but anything you've heard of? Yeah, just real quick, I heard that there's a real good smallmouth bite going uh, fishing the points up at Horsetooth. Uh, guys are going out there and catching, you know, 20 to 40 fish in an afternoon. And then there's a strong bite going on down at Cherry Creek. So don't be afraid to, uh, you know, take a look, whether you live in the metro area or you live up north. Uh, there's there's good bites going on in, in a lot of the lakes. But just kind of concentrate on more of that deep structure. As the water cools, the lakes turn over. Those fish may move again shallow. So it's going to provide a good opportunity for the shore as well. Yeah, you're absolutely right. We could see turnover very quickly. Um I only have a couple minutes left, but I want to change subjects on you, and that's waterfall. The teal season opened up uh, just this weekend, I believe. We have a number of different waterfall seasons. Now, first off, I have a question for you. Are the teal we hunt in Colorado, are they mostly residents here that have went, that have summered here, or are we getting some migratory teal? Well, the we get a mixture of both. Um, our state produces a fair number of ducks up in the mountains and i'm already seeing some birds coming down from north park and and up that area and i think that's got a lot to do with the fire conditions but um right now after this snowstorm most of our our local birds the uh, blue wing teal and the cinnamon teal have already headed south um but the green wings we've had a push of green wings come in and i've talked to a few people this morning if you were able to find water out east, some guys have done really good. I talked to one pair of guys, and it took them 10 minutes to limit out this morning. So if you want to get out and chase some teal, um, there's a great opportunity going on. We've got another season runs through next Sunday. And the one thing to keep your eyes out on, I did do some scouting, 
there are a lot of spoonies and wood ducks that have moved in, and those can look very similar to a blue wing teal. So just take a little extra time and confirm your identification before you pull the trigger. When, when you hunt teal in Colorado, do you normally hunt over decoys from a blind, or do you do some jump shooting, or is it a combination of both? It's, you know, it's a combination of both. I, I always love decoy hunting, so I'll get out to my location and um, put, put the decoys out and hunt for the first 45 minutes or hour until it kind of gets warm and, and activity uh, stops. And then I'll go out and, you know, if you're able to find some sheet water on public ground, uh, sometimes the grasslands has water, you know, some other places, walk-in access where you can go out and uh, find birds and jump shoot them. The one thing is if the birds get up at a long distance, don't take a long shot because typically teal will go out and oftentimes will spin right back around and give you a much better shot. So you've got an opportunity for both, and the nice thing is when you're out there doing that jump shooting, it's a great opportunity to also do some scouting for regular duck season. You can hit a couple of these other properties, see how the water level's looking, see how the river's going, and there's some doves out at the same time. So it's it's a good time to be out outdoors and enjoying the uh, the great opportunities we have here in Colorado. Yeah, we're we're headed for some. It's going to warm up. I think it's going to be in the mid to high seventies today, and in the eighties the next few days. I think a little cooler next weekend, but. We're headed for some of the very best, most stable weather typically we have. We'll get a day or two like we just had, but we're going to get a lot of nice, warm, comfortable weather, but not hot, hot. We're going to see the nights cool, the water temperatures dropping, and hopefully the lake stabilizing a little bit. And I think it's certainly no time to put your, your fishing rod, your shotgun, or anything else away. We've got a, a lot coming up, Brad. Any last comments? I completely agree with you, Terry. Um, one other heads up. I got noticed yesterday that uh, February 22nd, the south half of Boyd Lake is going to be closed to all boating. They've got a construction project going on down there. So it's going to be, I think that's a Tuesday, but February 22nd, the south half of Boyd Lake will be closed to boating. And it's a one-day project, and it's a safety consideration to uh, to close that to boating. But uh, one to kind of give everyone the heads up that that well, that's Feb- are you are you saying February, uh, September, September. Okay, I mean, my bad. September. Yeah. So, so it's going to be closed for how long? Just one day. Just one day. Okay, so September twenty second. Okay, but they'll still be able to get out and fish the north end, which can be a little shallow this time of the year. But there's some tremendous walleyes there. We better go, Brad. If people want more information or book a trip with you, how do they get a hold of you? You can find me at Brad Peterson Outdoors on Facebook or give me a call at 303-829-3998. All right, my friend, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for joining us today. All right, have a good one, Terry. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. They have locations in Fort Collins, Loveland, Lafayette, Broomfield, Cheyenne. Whether you're kayaking, hiking, hunting, camping, even grilling, 
They can take care of all your needs. Stop in. Tell him you heard about them right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Let's go to the phones. And joining us from Colorado Parks and Wildlife is uh, Lucas Clancy. Good morning, Lucas. How are you? You know, I'm doing well. Um, where are you calling us from? Are you in the Front Range area or are you down southwest today? Yeah, you know, I'm actually up in uh, Denver today, but I work out of the Durango office down southwest Colorado. You got a little snow there, too, I heard this last few days, but I bet you you're going to get some nice weather. You guys get down in Durango. People don't understand because of that. You're close to Gunnison and all those places. You get a lot of nice weather in the winter, don't you? We generally do. You know, it's the, the last few years we've had uh, pretty dry weather, but occasionally, um, you know, the, the mountains all around will set us up for some, some really good storms. So, Now, your, your position with Colorado Parks and Wildlife is bear uh, education and outreach. Um, it's a fairly new position, I think, that's been created over the last couple of years. Um, there's no, there's no uh, secret that Colorado has a very robust bear population. We've also had a human population increase, and a lot of people want to live further and further into the outdoors, whether it's up, you know, out on the plains or up in the foothills or the mountains. Mm-hmm. And as we do that, and as we do that, we see more bear interaction, even in towns. So your kind of your position was kind of created to help mitigate that. Tell us about your position and some of the things you do. Yeah, so you know, just like you said, we've we've had that increase in human bear interaction. So my whole goal is to um, help the agency be a little more proactive than reactive in these situations, and um, you know, teach those people that uh, maybe came from other areas of the country or other areas of the state where they don't have as many bears around. Uh, teach them how to be bear safe and uh, really get the community engaged. And so hopefully we can stop a lot of those issues before they happen. So that's, that's the main thing. What are some of the tools you use to do that? What do you do? Go to schools? What do you do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, we, we really try to do everything we can. So um, getting out in the media, so we do a lot of interviews. Um, we do video series. We go into schools, give talks at summer camps. Um, and then, you know, we also go door to door a lot of times. So we'll get volunteers together. And if we have a, a neighborhood or subdivision that's really, you know, we're starting to see a bunch of bear issues in, we'll actually go out there and spend the whole day or a few days um, talking to as many people as we can. Um, you know, some of those conversations are 30 seconds, some of them are 10, 15 minutes. Um, you know, really just educating people on what they can do to make their home safe and the practices they can uh, start to um, to use to really you know, make sure that nothing happens with bears uh, in that area. So we well, do, you know, you know, a lot of things as much as we can. A lot of people move to Colorado or move further outdoors in Colorado because they love the outdoors and they love viewing wildlife. The problem we have is that if bears get conditioned to associating people with food it not only becomes dangerous to people but it becomes very dangerous to the bears where they can end up having to be euthanized you told me an interesting uh an interesting finding you've had as you've been studying this and that's that you found that as people build and get further into the bear habitat the bears get lazier and actually reproduce more is that right yeah, so there have been some studies, and, and that study uh, was, was done around Tahoe, uh, Lake Tahoe in California. 
Um, but yeah, you know, bears, if they have easy access to food, they're going to take it. So, you know, I, sometimes I refer to them as being lazy, even though they're, they're not really lazy, but they're opportunistic. They'll take the, uh, the highest amount of calories they can get in the easiest way, basically. So, um, if they have the choice between going and foraging on acorns all day or getting into one trash can that has the same amount of calories or one bird feeder that has the same amount of calories as they would get in the wild, they're going to go for that. It's easy, and then they don't have to expend as much work. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely true. You know, the more food we provide to them, it changes their natural behavior, and uh, it's really, really bad for the bears. It makes them lose that, you know, that natural instinct they have. And then, again, like you said, it brings them closer to us and creates those dangerous situations. Well, I think sometimes people forget how dangerous and wild. Now, black bears tend to be timid, and they try to avoid mm-hmm. human contact. But once they associate people with food, i got to share a story. Of this happened many years ago. A friend of mine in Parks and Wildlife shared it with me. A lady had just moved up into a subdivision in the mountains, and she called Parks and Wildlife, and she said, come and get your bear. It's in my backyard. <laughs> And, and the guy on the phone said, I'm sorry, ma'am, but you're in his backyard. But, mm-hmm. but we, we, for, we forget. As you do these um, these education and studies and people interaction, I want to talk to you about things people can do if they do have bears. But, what are you know, we hear over and over again about bird feeders, about garbage, about barbecue grills, dog food. What are some of the more common things that you're surprised people don't understand about bears and some of the misconceptions maybe you have to correct? Yeah. Um, one of the main things that people need to realize is how smart they are. So that's, that's, that's the number one thing. Bears are extremely smart animals and they have great memories. So if they get food from your property, they're likely going to come back. Um, it might not be that next night. It might not even be for a while, but they will probably come back to your property and they remember where they get food year to year as well. And so um, that's one thing is to always be aware, you know, they're, they're really smart. They'll remember that. And then they also can figure out how to get into a lot of different things. Um, you know, people think that they're not very um, athletic or they're not very agile, but they really are. They can climb up uh, to, you know, second story porches, decks, things like that. Um, they can open up doors. Uh, we've seen time and time again, bears that have learned to open up car doors because they, get food from a car one time and then they're just so determined to get into that car they'll figure out how to open up your door um you know lever style handles on houses if someone leaves their uh their front door unlocked they'll get into that and they're they're just amazingly smart and agile now if i do have a bear issue and we've got a few minutes left i want to address this you do have some mitigation what should I do if a bear shows up on my property? And then if it looks like it's coming back or an issue, what should I do then? Kind of take us through that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so number one, we want to make that bear uncomfortable. Um, that's, that's the biggest thing to remember. So ways to do that, number one, clean up all of your attractants. So if it's coming onto your property and it's knocking down your bird feeder every night, take that in. If it's getting into your trash, secure that. So secure whatever attractant is drawing that bear in. Number two, make it uncomfortable by yelling at it. Feel free to throw rocks at it, uh, bang pots and pans together, whatever we can do to scare them off. We don't want them to be comfortable coming back. Um, And now another thing that we've started uh, is uh, we have a new tracking system as well. So if anyone has the time, even if you just see a bear walking through your property or walking through your neighborhood, give your local 
Colorado Parks and Wildlife Office a call, and we track all those entries. And so it helps us better understand where bears are moving and things like that. And then we can also offer you good advice. Uh, we can, if we have the manning, we'll maybe try to send someone out to your area, your property, to look at the situation. Um, we have a lot of different things we can do if you just give us a call. And unfortunately, a lot of times we only get calls after the bear becomes a really big problem. And then, like I said, they're so smart that they will continue to repeat that behavior if they've learned it. So if we can get calls early, we have a lot of different things we can do uh, to make sure that bear doesn't want to come back. Yeah, depending on the situation you've shared with me, you've got things, everything from bear spray to rubber buckshot to uh, um, making um, pepper barrels and to even mats with little spikes in them. We don't have Mm -hmm. time to go into a lot of details, but if people call you, is there information on the web on some of this stuff? Absolutely. The Colorado Parks and Wildlife website has a ton of great info. If you go under the Learn tab, you'll see um, a section for living with wildlife, and that has all sorts of awesome information, not only on living with bears, but living with lions, living with raccoons, all sorts of different stuff. And it goes into how you can make some of your own deterrents, and uh, it's definitely a good resource to look at if you live in bear country. Lucas, we're out of time, but great information. Continue the good work. We want a healthy bear population here. We just want to mitigate human interaction. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you having me. You bet. That's Lucas Clancy from Parks and Wildlife. We'll take a quick time out. By the way, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you by Jack's Outdoors. Um, They've got locations up and down the front range. Stop by one of them before you head outdoors and When we come back, we'll talk to you about licenses and those affected by the fires on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. If you're so hurt, why then don't you show it? Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. If you're still growing up and having fun, Jack's has what you need for your outdoor adventures. Let's go right to the phones and patiently waiting to share some very important information with us is Danielle Eisenhart. Good morning. Good morning, Terry. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. It's kind of good to see the sunshine again. I got no smoke in the air. I got no snow in the skies. Now, we needed that moisture. But speaking of the smoke and the moisture, the wildfires have affected a lot of people's hunting plans this year, and we're not sure exactly where all these are going to go. There's a good chance some of these are going to still be burning here, especially the Cameron Peak Fire as things start to dry out, and more could come. So the state is taking some action to really help, especially big game hunters, aren't they? Correct. So, yeah, we have four major wildfires burning in Colorado. You mentioned the Cameron Peak fire. There's also the Williams Fork, Grizzly Creek, and Pine Creek fires. And so we have a new refund policy for hunters impacted by these fires. Um, So I'm on this morning to talk about kind of those revised policies and get hunters some more information. Well, if I'm a hunter and I'm worried that I'm going to be impacted by the fires, what's the first thing I should do? Can I go online and see if there's any information about my unit. Now, this this applies to the draw-type hunters, right, that have got specific game units they have to hunt in. So, And it's for all big game, I would assume. So what's the first thing? Do I go online? What do I do? So, yeah, if you go to our main um, Colorado Parks and Wildlife website, 
um, you'll actually see a slider on the top of the main page with a picture of a wildfire. Uh, if you click on that, it will take you to a page that lists all the applicable hunt codes for each of those fires that falls into our new fire refund policy. And and that's updated very frequently, I think you told me. Is that right? Yeah, so it's a live page. So as conditions change, if new hunt codes are added to that list, uh, managers can add those in, and then the website page will update automatically within five minutes. So that really is your and best source of information. Now, if, if if my if my area hunt code isn't on that list, I'm not eligible for a refund, right? Um, if your hunt code is not on the list, you're still eligible for our typical refund policy, um, which basically you have to turn in your license at least 30 days before the start of your season to be eligible. Um, so the fire refund policy allows um, those impacted hunters to turn in their license up until the start of the season. Um, it also gives them both a refund and their points back plus one. So it is a a more generous policy for sure than our typical refund policy. So how how are you determining what gets on that list? Is it actual where the fire is or access, a combination of factors, kind of lead, the people on the ground kind of telling you? Yeah, our field staff and our, our regional and area managers are looking closely at where the fire is impacting Hunting on the ground, also looking, as you said, at access roads and can hunters get to the animals on the ground and then making determinations from there on what's uh, most appropriate. Also working with our federal land managers like the U.S. Forest Service to also talk about road access or closures that they might have in place as well. Now, I go on the website, and I see that my hunt codes are on the list. So, obviously, that I can't go hunt there. They're hunting. We're not going to be able to hunt there. What's the process, and what are my options? Sure. So, the first place to start would be to if you type in refunds on our page. It will send you to our, our refunds and reissue page on our website, and you can download the refund form. You can also get the refund form from any of our Parks and Wildlife offices. Um, you fill out that form and just make sure if it's a fire um, impacted refund that you write fires in the comments box. And then again, like I said, you can, you're eligible for both your points and your refund as long as it's before the start of the season. And for certain hunters, um, such as our sheep hunters, they're also eligible for um, either a guaranteed license for next year or a refund with their points back plus one, and they have the option to choose um, between those two for those sheep hunters. Um, that is not currently an option for deer, elk, um, bear, or pronghorn hunters. All right. So I can take, uh, if I take, uh, like, moose and sheep and goat, I can transfer it because those are hard tags to draw. So I may not want to, I may want to automatically get a license next year. And for others, it. what about can I, I after I turn my license in if I don't take it, what are my options for getting a new license? Sure. So if you still want to hunt this year and you're thinking more of exchanging that license for a license in a different unit, um, you can do that as well. If you wanted to get your points back, however, you would still need to do the refund process before you go and purchase your new license um, to be eligible to get those points back. Otherwise, if you didn't use any points, 
to get that original license, you could just do a flat exchange, and we're waiving the $25 exchange fee for our fire-impacted customers as well. Okay, and if I have trouble understanding my options, I probably could call the hunt planners at the Parks and Wildlife, and they would talk me through it, right? Absolutely. Um, and there's also pretty good guidance on that same wildfire page outlining all these options as well. But feel free to call any of our Parks and Wildlife offices or a hunt planner, and they'll be able to talk you through this again. Yeah, and, and I, I want to comment to people, too, that if you love hunting and you love getting out, you know, maybe turn your license in, but there's over-the-counter elk. And I, I understand we actually have an abundance of bear tags that are pretty easy to get this year. So there are options. You may have to change your plan, set your expectations a little differently, but we still really want people to get out there. We want them to be extremely careful about fire danger, but we want them in the outdoors, right? Absolutely. And in the time of this pandemic and COVID, I think a lot of people are finding some comfort in getting outside and getting outdoors, including visiting our parks and going hunting. So we definitely encourage folks to get out there and enjoy the outdoors responsibly. All right, Danielle, thank you so much for that update. I think it'll affect a lot of people and we want to make sure everybody gets taken care of. It's good to get that out. Thank you so much. Thank you, Terry. You have a great day. You bet. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. Locations up and down the Front Range and now in Cheyenne. We'll take a quick time out. When we come back, we're going to take you to North Park. Find out what's going there fishing and hunting on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors and 104.3 The Fan. Let's go right to the phones. Uh, joining us from the North Park, uh, North Park uh, area is Nicole. Good morning, Nicole. Good morning, Terry. How are you? Sounds like you're busy up there today. You know, we have been. Um, summer has been very busy, and it's just continuing right into fall. We're coming into some really good fall fishing right now. Well, and that's a great thing that you're busy. Gosh, you guys... When did you guys take over the resort? How many years has it been now? Time goes by so quickly. This is our fourth year. Yeah, you guys have just done great, and we really appreciate you coming on. You know, uh, during the course of this year, uh, Lake John in the North Park area maybe didn't fish quite as good, especially Lake John. Big fish, some of the Delaney's had pretty good action, but a lot of big fish, but not the numbers, but with the recent cold weather, I think that would really be changing. What Did you get much weather up there, and what's it like today? Uh, yeah, on Tuesday we ended up with four inches of snow. It's already melted. The roads are clear and everything's accessible. We didn't receive anything else after that, um, and it is beautifully sunny right now. We have blue skies, and the smoke from Cameron Peak Fire is not affecting us. I was going to ask you that. So you really haven't had an issue with the smoke at all. It, people might be access. You can't come up over 14, but you can come up from Denver that way, right, or down from Wyoming. What's the best way for people to get up there right now, through Denver and up? If they're uh, closer to the Denver side, they're going to want to go over Berthet Pass or uh, through Silverthorne and Kremling to us. Those are both accessible. If they're on the north end of Denver, more pushing Fort Collins or Loveland area, it would be faster for them to jump up to 287 Laramie and then drop down to us that way. 
All right. Well, you know, you, you mentioned the fishing is picking up. I would think that, you know, you get, you're getting colder nights up there, which is even down here, which is typical. When you get four inches of snow, it tends to drop the water temperatures pretty drastically. And in the fall, that can really trigger the, the fishing, especially the trout. So you kind of hinted at that. Is that what you're seeing up there? That's exactly what's happening, Terry. Um, in the last about four or five days, we have seen some of the most beautiful fish. Um, definitely a lot of people catch and releasing. And um, yesterday I physically got to take pictures of a 26-inch, 8-pound, and it's just it was a gorgeous cutthroat. And that was in Lake John, or was that in one of the yes. Delaney's? No, those were. That's all out of Lake John right now. Yep. Oh, that's just awesome. And Lake John, so people know, there's different regulations and restrictions on the different lakes up there. But Lake John is available for any type of fishing, whether you want bait, whether you want to get out in a boat and troll, whether you want to fish from shore with a fly rod or a conventional rod. Are the water levels good? Does it maintain pretty good water levels through the winter? It does. They um, did turn the inlet on. We kind of got, you know, a little, it was down um, in June and July, probably about two feet, Um, but they turned that inlet on and it's been pouring in. So we're going to be right where we need to be for the winter and it will hold good water level. I can't, this is going to be, we won't spend time on it now, but there's always a tremendous ice fishing season up there too. What about the um, boat access? How long can people put boats on Lake John typically? Um, it's well into October. Um, Colorado Parks and Wildlife usually won't pull those docks out until uh, end of October, beginning of November. Of course, that's flexible depending on when ice might set in, but um, definitely into October for this phenomenal um, fall fishing. Yeah, and the the rate, the growth rate at Lake John, if people don't know, it's one of the top two growth rates there in Antero. And when they stock fish in there, they get big and fat and feisty in a hurry, don't they? Yes, they do. The growth rate here is is tremendous, and uh, we are just seeing we're seeing good sized fish all the way from you know what they put in this year stock wise um, to the tw- ten to twelve inches, and then of course we have these really nice twenty two to twenty six coming out very consistent consistency, and that's you know of the couple of years now of them growing, which is wonderful. Why don't you take us through both Lake John and the Delaney's kind of a couple things that are working and what you're hearing on all the lakes. Yeah, so Lake John is uh, definitely picking up with this colder temperatures. Um, we have boat fishermen and shore fishermen doing really well. The shore fishermen are, are tending to, you know, go towards um, night crawlers, garlic power bait, the cast masters, um, and definitely flies too. Flies are doing really good, but I would say the flies, uh, we're seeing the best response right now from people trolling them on their boats. And then the boat fishermen are also um, doing really good with needlefish, Tasmanian devils, and rapalas on Lake John. And then what, um, and then what, go ahead. what about the, the Delaney's? How are they fishing? The Delaney's are picking up as well. East is always the most active. It's full of a lot of 10 to 12-inch stalkers, and they're always hungry. Um, the Delaney's are artificial flies and lures only, so we see a lot of Rapalas and tube jigs and that nature definitely flies over on the Delaney Buttes. Um, south and north are picking up, uh, behaving similar to Lake John. North being the most difficult. North still wants to play the really early morning and the really late evening. Um, but south, you can fish all day and do pretty well, just like Lake John. 
And north tends to produce those big browns, which should get kind of in the spawning mode pretty soon, right? There, they will hit that. Uh, usually, the the prime spawning for that is that very last week of September and the first week into October. Yeah, and boy, there's some giants that can come out of there on those browns. I've stayed there. Tell people a little bit about your facility too. What do you have to offer if I come up to Lake John? So we have our general store uh, stocked with all kinds of goodies, full line of bait and tackle, uh, stocked very well in, in that sense um, in, in bait and tackle, too. I know the front range we've heard is running short on some stuff, but we can definitely get you taken care of here. And um, then we have cabins here, lodging. We have four kitchenette units and a suite with a full-size kitchen. We still have our RV park going, full hookups water, sewer, and electric. Those will probably get winterized roughly around the middle of October, but we'll still offer electric the whole way through the winter. And people don't only come, well, first of all, staying at your cabins. I've stayed in those cabins, and it's but it's such a long hike to the lake. I can't cast from the cabin door. I have to take a few steps before I cast. I mean, you're right on the water. It is so fantastic. But you also get a lot of hunters up there. Do you get both big game and waterfall? What hunt code are you in? We're in Unit 161, and we do see both. We have big game hunters, and we have waterfowl as well. Uh, this weekend was is opening for sage grouse, so we also have sage grouse on, on site uh, hunters as well. Yeah, and I don't think a lot of, I want to talk more about the big game access up there, but I don't think a lot of people realize that you're also one of the probably you rival the San Luis Valley for your jump shooting for waterfall early in the season. You have a lot of resident ducks up there as waterfall gets going. Uh, I did an article for the Denver Post on it a few years ago. I may repost that on my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, but the biologists told me that it, it is one of the best places for jump shooting waterfall early in the season in the state. Um, and I, it's really starting to take off. We're seeing a lot of people getting out, and a lot of new hunters, I think, are going more towards the shotgun-type hunting before they maybe get into big games. So you offer some really great opportunities up there for that. Do you have to book your cabins or your RV spots pretty far in advance, or how, how far are you booked out? Um, not horribly. During the summer months, our weekends, you know, reserve out probably about four weeks in advance. Hunting seasons for the big rifle uh, seasons are booking about six months in advance right now. I have plenty of availability for waterfowl and sage grouse and the smaller smaller hunts. That's great. So the fishing's good there right now. I mean, if I come to Lake John, I can expect to start getting numbers of fish and maybe a shot out of five-pounder, it sounds like. Yes, absolutely. So this sounds like a great place to come. Nicole, thank you for joining us. Uh, North Park is one of my favorite places in the state. You have such great activities up there, and you guys are doing such a great job of offering accommodations and information and supplies. Uh, how do people get a hold of you if they want more information? Thank you so much for that, Terry. Uh, anybody is free to call. We're always uh, welcome to help with any information, 970 you can find us on Facebook at Lake John Resort. And then we also have our web page with detailed information and fishing reports posted on there. That's LakeJohnResort.com. All right. Thanks for joining us, Nicole, and have a great rest of the weekend. You too, Terry. Thank you. All right. That's Nicole. I'm from Lake John Resort and from up in that North Park area. I tell you what, that North Park area, not only do you have the Lake John and the Delaney's, but you have 
if you're a fly fisherman, there's a number of streams in that area. There's just some tremendous fly fishing up there. Uh, you've got um, a number of small streams and tributaries that end up running into the North Platte. Uh, for any type of fishing you want to do, boat, shore, conventional fly fishing, there's something for everybody. And when Lake John turns on, that fishing for those trout, uh, you'll be just amazed at the weight. You catch a 22-inch trout in Lake John, and it's just a football. It's got some heft. We're going to take a timeout. When we come back, Matt Ensley's going to join us, and we're going to talk more fishing up and down Colorado's Front Range and throughout the state right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.